Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for joining us on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast for the latest episodes and new updates. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Podcast. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Also, this Sunday, we'll be having a 9 a.m. indoor service and 10.30 outdoor service in English and 11.45 indoor service in Spanish. We're going to open up the Word together today. So grateful to get to be with you and open up the Word in community. There's power in that today. There's power, even if you're leaning in online, there's power in leaning into God's Word, not just individually. We're called to do that, right? But we're called to not give up gathering together, not giving up meeting together, leaning into the Word together, and so that's what we're going to do. We have been in the midst of a series throughout this month on relationships, on relationships, because can we just be honest today that our relationships feel a little bit under attack, right? Maybe that's just me, okay? Right, right? But, but in this world, like we're living in a day where, where it feels a little bit frantic around us. It feels a little bit frazzled. It feels a little bit like 2020. What else can happen? No, I don't want to ask that because I don't want to find out, right? I get it. I'm there. But in the midst of that, our relationships have been disrupted, are being disrupted. I've talked to some of you this week, and you're even dreading, like, what what do the holidays look like? Not even because of the pandemic, but because of how difficult now relationships are, even within our own families, right? That these are challenging times, and you're feeling that. You're, You're sensing that. You're bearing the weight of that burden and that anxiety on your shoulders. And so this series for us has been so timely as we've been talking about uh, four rules, four rules that are not our rules, not something we came up with. This is out of God's word because God's word actually has instructions for us for how to live our lives, for how to seek his best, seeking his best for our heart and our mind and our body, but our relationships with others because relationships matter to God. And so over these last few weeks, we've been talking about what would, if we were to craft four rules to abide by God's desire. His desire, his desire is that we would love one another. That's Jesus's command, right? Right from his words. We would love one another. And so if we're to take that seriously, and if we're, we're to really do that, not just for the people that we have to love, not just for the people that we like to love, but seriously, everyone around us, we're like, oh, I gotta love him. I gotta love her. I gotta love you. If we're to take Jesus's command seriously, then these four rules, as we're calling them, are helping us on the journey. If you haven't been here, if you've missed it, uh, we'll review. You can go back and catch up online. But rule number one we talked about a few weeks ago says this, when it comes to relationships, it's not about me. (laughs) That's a powerful rule in our life, isn't it? And that's straight out of God's word. That's his design for us. But if we're serious about taking ground in our relationships, and some of us have come here today and we feel a little desperate, We feel a little overwhelmed. We feel a little like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to see God do something new in my relationships. Rule number one says it can't be about me. Rule number two, uh, Pastor Olivia gave a great message that day on this idea of empathy. And rule number two says that a relationship is no better than the empathy that two people share. And looking around in our world today, I think we need some empathy. We need some empathy for one another. And the power and strength of a relationship is often how powerful that empathy that two people share, the power of that empathy. Rule number three, last week, we talked about the idea of purity. Purity is God's best. God's best for my heart. God's best for my mind. God's best for my body. And specifically, rule number three says that sin does not just hurt my relationship with God, that for some of us, 
we have broken relationships around us because of sin in our lives. And it's not just impacting this relationship. Sin in our lives is impacting these relationships all around us. But the good news is that God, he wants to expose that sin as we, as we confess it to him. He wants to expose that in our hearts so that he can heal it. He wants to be the healer today. And so today, there's hope. We're going to dive into the last week of our series today. Rule number four. I'm just going to get it out of the way and tell you. Rule number four says this, that people are always asking for your patience. Only sometimes with words. People, it would be okay. You can look around. You can look at the person. If you came here with somebody, if you're sitting next to somebody you know, if somebody way across the way, it's okay to look at them and say, yeah, that person needs my patience, right? Every single relationship in your life is requiring patience. It is asking patience of you. Sometimes with words, but often not, right? Because patience is essential for healthy, growing, life-giving relationships. Patience is essential. So let's dive into the word today. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We were uh, last week, uh, last couple weeks really, we've been looking at Paul's works, the writings of Paul. He was not a personal disciple of Jesus Christ. He never met Jesus personally. In fact, Paul was persecuting the church. He was an enemy of Christ. He was trying to destroy the church, but God supernaturally showed up. And Saul was his name. He showed up in Saul's life, and he transformed his life. And he became Paul, and he became the greatest messenger, the greatest missionary for the church. And so we're reading Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 4 that he's writing, not to us. We believe supernaturally they were written for our benefit, but these, were, these words were written to a church in Ephesus thousands of years ago. So that now we can open them today and find God's truth for us. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're just going to read two verses today that speak powerfully to this rule in our lives Starting with verse 1, Paul says this, Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. If you were here last week, uh, we spent a lot of time in Colossians 3. Now, Colossians is another book written by the same guy, Paul, who, who was in prison. And he wrote these words. And we talked about last week, if you weren't here, we talked about this idea of a wardrobe, right? And kind of this idea of exchanging the old for the new. And Paul is saying that God wants to give us a heart of purity. And in doing that, he wants to take off the old garment, the old habits, the old things. And he wants us to be clothed. Literally last week, it said this, that we're to be clothed with compassion. You put on your compassion clothes in the morning, right? Kindness, you put on your kindness stuff. Humility. What if humility was something we literally had to put on in the morning? The power of the Spirit, putting on our humility, right? Gentleness and what did it say in Colossians 3? Patience. Patience. So in the same way, to a different community of believers, Paul's reminding them of how important this idea of patience is. Our call to patience in our relationships is essential, but it's not without its challenges, Right? If we waited, if we waited, like we were drawing straws, like, all right, who's going to preach the message on patience? Because none of us are experts on this, right? And so I'm the one that had to come up here and face the music, right? Because none of us are experts on this. All of us need help in the area of patience. And this is challenging. It's going to challenge us. And specifically today, I want to look at three ways 
three ways that this call to patience, embracing patience today, if we say in our lives, oh, I believe, I believe through the power of the Spirit, I want to be more patient in my relationships. I want to embody the truth of God's Word in my relationships. I believe it's going to challenge us. And so today, I want to, I want to talk about three of the challenges I believe that exist when we embrace patience in our relationships. First, I want to talk to you in terms of my timeline, right? Now, I'm not just talking about me today. I am talking about me, but I hope that as we go through this together, you'll personalize this for yourself, right? But I believe today, if we take seriously God's call to embrace patience in our relationships, that it impacts my timeline. Specifically, I want to talk to you about the idea of hurry, (laughs) hurry. Listen, time, time is our greatest resource, isn't it? It's the one thing, no matter how hard we try, we can never get more of it. Don't we try? It's time. We we live in a culture, in a world that's in a hurry, right? A constant hurry. Breakneck speed. We value speed. We value efficiency. I don't want 4G. I want 5G, right? Right? Uh, We value more, 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 more. And, And Dallas Willard said it this way. He said, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. That hurry, one of the greatest enemies to our spiritual growth, one of the greatest enemies to growing in our faith as a disciple of Jesus Christ is this idea of hurry that is so present around us. Busyness, for some of us, is a badge of honor, isn't it? To be busy is to be important. How are you doing? Well, I'm just so busy. I've got so much going on. I got, right? it's, it's a pride thing. To be busy means that we are important. And as I shared this uh, earlier in March, uh, statistics say even before the pandemic, right, these numbers have risen astronomically, I'm sure. But even before the pandemic, 39% of Americans say that they're more anxious today than they were one year ago. I can't imagine the difference in those numbers now. But the truth is that this culture of hurry, this busyness that we all feel, that we all see in our lives, it's making us sick. It's making us sick. John Mark Comer, one of my favorite authors that I've gotten to read this year, talks about it in one of his books that there's this, actually health professionals talk about it. It's called hurry sickness. And it has, I've shared this with you before, but there's all these different uh, qualities and characteristics. But here's just a couple. See if this doesn't fall in line with our battle with patience. Number one, hurry sickness results in irritability that you're annoyed too easily. Maybe don't look around at the people in the room with you now, right? Hurry, sickness. What's another symptom? Hypersensitivity. A small comment throws you into a major emotional event. How about this one? Emotional numbness. That you have no empathy for anyone around you. There's so many more things that the restlessness, workaholism, all of these ideas. But but the, the point is that our culture of hurry, our culture of busyness is actually making us sick. And besides that, besides the fact that it's bad for us, it's completely and totally opposite of a call to patience in our lives. Let me ask you this. How is it possible to be patient when I'm in a hurry? 
Think about that for a minute, because I've tried. Like, I just, right? If I'm in, in and, and I know, man, because I'm that way, I'm multitasking. And I'm, this whole idea of like, why we text, why we drive. You know why we do that? Because we're in a hurry. We can't stop to text. We can't wait till we get there to text. We got to do it while we're driving, because we're in a hurry, right? So how is it, if I'm in a hurry, everywhere I go, from the moment I get up, I'm just thinking about, I'm not enough time, got too much to do. I gotta, how is it possible in the midst of that to be patient? I don't know. Polar opposites to me. Am I the only one? Oftentimes, oftentimes when I am being impatient, it's really because I'm anxious and stressed and overwhelmed about other things happening in my life. Like, as a father, okay, I am, I am impatient. It's like confession. Thank you for hearing that today, right? I am impatient as a father. And sometimes it's because my kids are, are, I think they've like plotted against me. Like, all right, when dad comes home from work, you start screaming, you spill the milk, you do that, right? I, I swear they've had like a meeting and then they put their hands like, break, let's go. Right, so I know sometimes that happens. I swear it happens, right? But a lot of times, can I be honest, the reason that I'm impatient as a father is because my mind and my heart and my body are so overwhelmed by hurry and anxiety and stress that it's impossible to be patient. It's impossible to be present. I've walked in the door and I'm worrying about the seven other things I got to do and how am I going to get this done? How am I, <laughs> right? So how am I going to be patient in that moment? Right? Maybe, maybe that's just me. To embrace patience in our lives is to require us to slow down, to breathe deep the presence of God, to stop, be attuned to his spirit, to listen more and even speak less. Here it is at the end of the day. <laughs> To give patience the final word in our relationships means to resist a culture that's overwhelmed with hurry. It's challenging. A call to patience, right? A call to patience is always going to impact my timeline. Next, a a call to patience is always going to impact my power. My power. What are we talking about? When we talk about my power, we're really talking about control. We're really talking about control. To practice patience is to admit I don't have to be in control. We like control, don't we? No, no, that's not. We crave control, right? I almost brought it with me. I have this giant remote control thing that I've used because sometimes that's the symbol of the control that we just have to have. It. Like my dad, I told the story before, he would fall asleep with the control in his lap and he'd be on some terrible black and white old, nothing wrong with black and white TV, I'm just saying. There's like football on and dad, we're watching this, right? He's sleeping in the chair and I just come over to grab the remote and just knowing that the control has left his lap, he, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? No, no, give me that back, right? We want, I love my dad, but I'm just saying, right? That's a symbol of control, that we crave control in our lives. But on this journey to pursue healthier relationships, we must recognize that we can't control others. That might be the most powerful statement that some of us could make. That might be the biggest thing that some of us could take home today. That in our journey to pursue healthy relationships, we can't control other people. But man, don't we try. Man, don't we try. (laughs) To exercise patience is to put this idea in practice. Let's look again. We were in Ephesians 4, so let's look again. There's two verses here, but look at how this is so evident throughout these two verses. Paul begins by saying, as a prisoner for the Lord. That's not a symbolic thing. He's literally a prisoner. He's literally in chains for the sake of the gospel. He didn't do anything wrong. He he is in prison for the sake of the gospel. And I got to tell you, as a physical prisoner, I think he doesn't have much control, does he? 
He's writing from a place of surrender. He's writing from a place of not really being in control, is he? Right then, look at what it says. We're just reading on. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. That should remind us. That should sound a lot like what Paul writes about in Philippians 2, where he talks about Jesus. And Jesus was the example. Uh, He was the example in that he was equal with God. But the scripture says that even though he had the position and he had the title and he had the authority, he made himself nothing, becoming a servant, becoming obedient to death on a cross, right? This is the posture of humility, of surrender, of obedience. He goes on to say, what does he say there in Ephesians 4? Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Two things here, two things. First, this idea of patient Again, again, these words were written in Greek and translated into English, so sometimes we have to go back and just understand the nuance. That Greek word patience has a couple different connotations. First, first, it literally means the idea of being patient with another. One scholar wrote about it this way. He said, the power to take revenge, but never doing so. A spirit that refuses to retaliate. That's kind of this nuanced idea of what it means to be patient. It bears, it bears insult or injury without complaint. It bears foolishness without irritation. That I'm justified in taking control of this situation right now, but I don't. Because I'm patient. I'm allowing the Spirit of the Lord to make me patient. That I could show you X, Y, and Z, all the reasons why right now I should seize control, but even then I'm not. I'm patient. Look, look, again, what it says, bearing with one another in love. It's this idea of suffering with someone. That the act of being patient is not to retaliate. It's not to pay back, but it's bearing with someone. To suffer with them in love. I like the author David Allen said it this way. Patience is the calm acceptance that things can happen in a different order than the one you have in your mind. That convicts me. I'm going to read it again. Patience is the calm acceptance that things can happen in a different order than the one you have in your mind. Some of us, some of us want control. Some of us want patience. But the truth is, you can practice patience. You can seek control, but you can't do both. So today, if we're going to take seriously the call to patience in our relationship, we have to surrender the desire for control. Finally, finally, I believe, I believe that a call to patience impacts, and I'm going to call it this way, my scorecard. I'm going to explain what that means. I'm going to explain what that means, my scorecard. Do you know that one of the greatest, I mean, not even, people that don't even read the Bible, people that don't even understand or study the Bible, people that aren't even Christians would say, one of the greatest things ever written about love if you were to read all the, if you were to take all the written works in the world and pile them together in one room, many scholars, secular and biblical, would agree that these are some of the greatest words ever written about love were found in, in 1 Corinthians 13. And do you know, in the middle of that discourse on love, the first word, the first adjective that is used to describe love is the word love is patient. Think about that for a minute. Now, maybe Paul's writing those words, and he's just throwing things together. Like, oh, it's patient, it's kind, and it's, but, but pro- 
probably means something, doesn't it? And consider, right, as he continues to talk about this beautiful idea of love. And again, this is not a, this is not a human-born love. This is not just a love of an affection. This is a love given, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Supernatural love pouring out of us that it is patient. But then, but then he would go on to say, you know what? This love keeps no record of wrongs. No record of wrongs. Can I be honest with you? I can be a bit competitive sometimes. And I actually don't really like that about myself. I'm I'm being honest with you. I really don't. So, because when I get competitive, here's what happens. I I start acting a fool. I start saying things that are kind of mean. I start acting, you know, harshly to people. And so I really don't like that about myself. And so oftentimes, oftentimes, I I try to do the, you know, we're playing the game. I'm like, let's all just have fun because I don't want to be competitive because I don't like how I, I feel out of control when I'm competitive, right? I've gotten a little bit better, but let me be honest with you. There's a few times in my life where this kind of rears its ugly head. Like when I'm watching nine-year-old youth soccer. Okay, so I just follow with me, okay? Like, like I'm over there, and I'm just trying to relax. I'm trying to cheer my kid on. But then I see on the other sideline the coach who's acting a fool. It's nine-year-old youth soccer, right? He's got a vein coming out of his neck, and he's got a clipboard, and he's darting out orders, and this competitiveness rises up within me. And you know in that moment, you know what I'm not thinking? I wish I could go and give him a hug and share a godly blessing with him. You know what I'm thinking in that moment? Oh, I want to crush his team. I hope we win. I hope, we, I hope they're begging for mercy at halftime, and we look at them and say, no way, keep playing. Right, right? I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't say that. It doesn't come out, but that's what I'm thinking in that moment. Like, I want to crush that team. Right? That's what I feel. And, and in, my, in my spirit, when we do and when we win, I don't get out there and do a dance at midfield or anything, but deep in my heart, I'm walking to the van, and I'm like, yes, we did it. Good job. Right? Some of you are like so judgy right now. Get over it, all right? You've got your thing too, right? But, but that's me sometimes. I'm competitive. Can I also be honest that in relationships, without realizing it sometimes, I, I keep score. I do. I'm not proud of it, but I do. I, I keep a, a track of who's hurt me. I keep track of maybe, maybe in my head, I feel like I've done a few more nice things for them than they've done for me. I feel like I've been a little bit more patient with them than they've been with me. I've been a little bit more generous with them than they are with me. And without realizing it, I'm not proud of it. I don't have a list, right? But in my head, sometimes I keep score. I do. And so when I, when I hear and when I understand that love keeps no record, that love is patient, right? But it keeps no record of wrongs. That convicts me. That convicts me. The power of patience in our relationships is actually that we, we stop keeping score, that we are patient. And again, this idea of patience is even suffering with someone. Even, even we, we, we have the ability, and we are justified in taking control, but we choose not to. And in doing that, we just release this idea that I don't have to keep score anymore. I'm trusting the Lord with that. I'm giving up control. We talked about that. But in doing so, I'm giving up my scorecard in that relationship. Furthermore, right, there's something even more here. Some of us, some of us are busy keeping score, but on the other side of that, some of us in our relationships, we're admitting defeat. We're admitting defeat. The reason we struggle with patience is because we believe it's hopeless. We we prayed about it. We tried a few things. We read a book, right? We've done all we know to do, and it's just broken. And so you look at those relationships in your life, and you're just like, it's over. 
dead to me. Whatever we would say. Maybe we don't say it out loud, but that's the posture of our hearts, right? We've admitted defeat. And it's not just this idea of patience in the New Testament. is not just this idea of being patient with one another, but it's also this idea of long-suffering. Long-suffering. Several of the Jewish writers, as they were writing and reflecting, they would reflect often on what they called the Roman persistency. They, of course, were in Roman rule, right? And so they didn't often look at the Romans with many good things to say, but in this case, they always admired what they called the Roman persistency. And basically, that meant that the Romans were unconquerable. And they weren't unconquerable because they never lost a battle. They often would. They would, but they were unconquerable because even if they lost a battle, they would never concede defeat. They would always win the war. They might lose the little battle, but they always had a picture. They always had an understanding of the bigger picture of what was happening. And because of that, they were unconquerable. And so as Paul writes about this idea of long suffering, I think it's this idea that he has in mind. That some of us right now in our relationships, all we see is the battle and we feel like we're losing. And we know the battle is not about people. The battle is not against flesh and blood, the word tells us, right? But it's it's about the principalities, the, the things that we cannot see. But some of us right now in our relationships right now, you feel defeated and you feel like the battle has been lost. But today, God wants us to lean into this idea of patience. Patience that believes, man, the battle in front of me is not looking good, but I've read the book and I believe in faith through the power of God within me. It's not over. It's not over. The story is still being written. Victory is still possible. And some of us, if we're going to truly embrace this idea of patience in our relationship, we got to stop admitting defeat. We've got to stop acting like the story's over. We've got to stop acting like the same power that raised Jesus out of the dead isn't alive in us. If he did that, why why can't he resurrect a broken relationship? Why can't he redeem and restore what we've left for dead? Some of us are so busy admitting defeat that we can't really embrace a biblical idea of patience today. So today, um, we're going to prepare to close in just a minute. But as we do that, I think it would be okay as we close out a series on relationships that we take a few moments to ask ourselves, God, where is it in my life today? Who is it in my life today that I've given up on? Where is it in my life that I'm not exhibiting patience and it's justified? I could show you exhibit A and exhibit B and why I deserve to take this matter into my hands, why I deserve to be in control. But today, the truth of God's word says, he commands us, love one another. In order to do that, love is patient, right? I'm going to invite you, if you would, would you just bow your heads today with me? And we're, we're not going to be in a hurry right now because <laughs> we don't have to be. We've intentionally left a little bit of time now at the conclusion of our service so that we could be attuned to the heart of God so that we don't have to rush off to the next thing. So we don't have to maybe push aside what the Holy Spirit would want to do in our hearts today. 
today, I don't know. As you take a moment, and really, we're going to just bow our heads for a minute. And why do we do that? Just to reflect, just to, to hit pause, just to ignore, to remove some of, the, some of the chaos, some of the noise, some of the distraction. But today, I don't know where you are with your relationships. I don't know which relationship in your life is hurting, which relationship in your life feels most broken. I don't know today where you feel the most hopeless. I don't know today what they've done to you. I don't know today how they've hurt you. I don't know how the bridges have been burned. I don't know today how you can justifiably say, look at what they've done. I've written them off. I I don't know today those things. I don't know how you've been hurt. I don't know how you've felt rejected. I don't know those things. But can I just share with you for a minute what I do know? What I do know is that this word that we proclaim as true promises that the Spirit of God can give us patience. Patience doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from us hearing a nice message and praying a prayer and walking out the door. It doesn't come from us working harder and generating. No, no, it comes from the Spirit of the living God living in us, producing the fruit of patience. And so while I don't know where your relationships are today, and I don't know how broken you feel, and I don't know maybe how anxious some of those things feel, what I do know today is that the power of the living God can come right now and can fill your life and can produce in you good fruit, the fruit of patience. Not patience that's built on circumstances, not patience that's built on just doing my best and trying harder. And No, 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 but patience that is sourced through His Spirit within us. Supernatural patience. Where in that relationship where I want to give up, in that relationship where I want to hurt them back, in that relationship where I can't stop keeping score, supernatural patience wells up within me. Long-suffering wells up within me. And suddenly the power of God enables me to be all that God has called me to be. God's not presenting an impossible standard for us that produces guilt and shame. He's offering to us a life-changing opportunity that if we would allow his spirit to come, it can transform us. Today, do you want your relationships to be transformed? (laughs) Do you want... (laughs) Do you want the broken things around you to be transformed? Or are you admitting defeat? Are you just looking and saying, it's, it's dead, it's done, it's, it's over? The promise today, what I do know is that transformation is possible. And so as we pause in these moments, as we reflect, you don't have to hide from God. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to be ashamed of the places like me where you've been impatient, of the places that you've fallen short like me, the times that you've kept score. You don't have to be ashamed today. His kindness leads us to repentance. And today we can repent, but we can also say, God, I've seen what I can do on my own. Today I wanna take off that old robe. I wanna take off that old garment and I want you, God, to clothe me with patience, to give me your spirit to produce in me the patience, God, that I need. So God, we pray now. We pray now for our relationships. It's okay to admit today, God, we can't do this. It's too much. 
It's too hard. It's too painful. It's too overwhelming. We can't do this on our own. Thank you today. Thank you today through the power of your Holy Spirit that you're not asking us to. You're not, in fact, in fact, you're asking us to give up control. You're asking us to release control, to surrender, and to allow you to come and fill us up. And so now I would pray, God, I would pray if there's anyone in the sound of my voice, anyone watching, listening online, here in the room, who has not allowed your Holy Spirit to come and take residence in their life, to bring healing and hope and power, God, I pray now that we would invite your presence to live in us. That you're a God who came to be with us and to live in us. And today, God, we invite your spirit to live in us. And we invite you to transform us from the inside out. Forgive us, God, when the battle in our relationships becomes about all the outward things, all the things happening around us, all the things happening in front of us, God. Today, we choose for a minute to turn inward and say, God, transform me from the inside out. Produce in me patience, God, that honors you. Patience, God, that you can use. Long suffering, that even when it's hard, even when the battle in front of me looks like it's going to be lost, I believe in faith that you will win the war. I will not give up today. I will not give up. I will not give up because your power and your presence is with me. May that most hopeless person today find incredible hope in that, that you're enough. You are our portion. We started by praying that and we will conclude by praying that too, that you are all we need in this area of relationships. We pray and believe in faith that you can do it. You can do it. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at abeaconofhope.org for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.